Buongiorno, Rose City, and welcome into the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. I'm Ryan Clark, back from a two-week jaunt through the Italian countryside with my now fiance Emma Knight, uh, and here to talk some Portland Timbers and Thorns soccer with the one and only Chris Reifer. Chris, uh, how's it going, buddy? On the ammo, Ryan. <laughs> uh, congratulations on on the uh, on the engagement, and welcome back. Uh, congratulations both to you and Emma. Uh, how was how was the trip? Fill us in on on what's going on uh, in Italy. Where did y'all go? What did y'all eat? Oh, it was great. So we we flew into Milan and uh, started our trip in the north there. Uh, spent a couple days in in that city, and then went down through Parma, Bologna. Uh, Florence, the the Tuscan countryside, and kind of the Chianti wine region, and finished off uh, in Rome for a couple of days and saw all the all the big sites there. So it was a it was a lot of moving around, a lot of different places that we stayed, but um, really an excellent trip. Ate and drank our way through a, a country that is bountiful in both of those categories. That is that is what you do <laughs> when you go. You you look at ruins. <laughs> You drink wine and you eat excellent food, uh, and the the variety of of meals we had, even though it was you know a lot of starch, a lot of pasta, um, was excellent. You know the the people there were super friendly. It was a very easy, low impact trip with with minimal hiccups, which is always a good thing when you're traveling overseas. But you know the, the Italian people are accustomed to to catering to brainless idiots <laughs> like Americans who, who have descended on their country like in in packs and you see it in in Rome and Florence much more so than the other places we went but um you know it, it's it's a great place for English speaking tourists to travel because it's it's very accommodating very low impact and um I'm I'm grateful to have learned a lot over the course of the two weeks, in addition to obviously having major life events happen and eating, eating really good food. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of fun. Selfishly, I have to ask you, how was, how was Tuscany? Oh, terrific. Yeah. We, we stayed in a little countryside B and B, uh, in, in Tuscany and nice. in, in kind of the Chianti wine region. Um, and you know, it's, everything is, is a bit of a drive just because of the, the sheer size and and the curviness of the roads is is a bit of a challenge in addition to obviously italian drivers are are not shy <laughs> on the road um but it, it was it was really cool i mean you you get the full I, I think authentic cultural italian experience when when you're in that area the only um complaint i guess i would have is that we may have gone like a month or two too early because a, a good number of things in that area are closed right now um, for the season, yeah. which is always what happens. Sort of yeah, they, kind of they ramp it up big time in the summer, but, um, you know, terrific family owned restaurants, uh, wineries that, uh, compete in my mind and in my heart with a lot of the great ones in, in our state, um, in, in terms of the, the quality of the wines and, and the experience that you get. It's just beautiful too. I mean, we had a great view from our B and B, but you know, everywhere you drive, everywhere you look, it's, it's like a, storybook view and and it lives up to what everybody talks about when it comes to to the beauty of of the italian countryside for sure so i feel like we should have had geo on for this segment alone only just like no soccer questions <laughs> solely to debrief your trip to yeah. italy uh and i'm actually getting ready to take one myself in in the summer i'm, I'm gonna go do a couple of weeks in 
one week sort of on a, on a running trip up through the Dolomites up in, uh, up in Northern Italy. And then we're sort of weighing options for the second week and, and Tuscany is one of the candidates. And so, uh, so yeah, we should have had geo on for like, you know, debriefing years and, and giving me tips on, on, on mine, which would have been of absolutely no interest to all of our <laughs> listeners. And then they would have been absolutely shocked that we had the, the, the Timbers coach on and didn't ask a single question about soccer. Uh, but that would have made me very happy from, you know, just like a, uh, you know, this whole thing is a bit kind of perspective. Right. I think you just need to call geo and just talk to him because that he, he did the <laughs> same thing with me. Like before I went, I was talking to him about it and he's obviously someone that, you know, of Italian background ground travels to Italy pretty much every year loves the city of Florence specifically uh, he's he's good friends with the coach of Fiorentina uh, he actually um, you know in conversations that we had in Palm Springs off air after the after the interview that I did down there with him uh, he was he was trying to figure out the dates that I was in Florence so that he could try and hook me up uh, with like a, being able to see the stadium at, at Fiorentina, but unfortunately, team was team was out on the road, so he couldn't uh, couldn't <laughs> give me the hookup as far as that goes. And and you know that that was uh, fun to talk with Gio about that because he he's extremely passionate about what is his his own you know culture and and background. Um, obviously, he grew up in in South America and Venezuela, but you know it's it's um, it's different. Yeah, he, he he loves going there with his family. We'll have him back for another uh, it, it, Italy tourism made in Portland segment <laughs> at some point. Uh, but let's actually talk about soccer. There is a bit uh, a bit to talk about, and honestly, I feel like we have to open up with breaking news, uh, so to speak. Uh, the Thorns kit has leaked. They're getting a new secondary kit, a new white uh, kit this year. It is. Uh, as you as you put it, and as you understood, it was going to be polarizing. I put a poll in the field. I like polls uh, to get uh, to get an idea of, of where folks are on it uh, with 309 votes. So like, you know, a decent number of precincts reporting, but not all of them. Uh, polls aren't closed yet. If you are in line, stay in line. Uh, but uh, the, the, the options were for describing the kit awesome, awful or somewhere in the middle. Uh so we've got 25% uh, awesome, 42% awful, and 33% somewhere in the middle. Uh, so I think polarizing sounds about right. Uh, maybe most importantly, and I guess we should, you know, from a just the facts perspective, we should we should give our, our listeners who, who maybe are, are, are not on the internet as much as we are, um, uh, a, a description of the, uh, of the kit. It, it, it's a white, you know, white kit like the national team kits. It's got the crest in the middle, but then I think it's fair to say it's got sort of Ed Hardy inspired kind of tattoo style roses on both the chest and the shoulders with thorns and, you know, all of those kinds of appropriate, uh, images. Uh, and yeah, so that, that is the, the overall impression, but most importantly, the internet has had a lot of fun with this uh, because the folks folks in the online Thorns community launched a bit of a meme last night uh, of that kit memes. Uh, so Ryan, do you do you have any that kit memes for us? And just to to put you on the spot, uh, I came prepared. I did my homework. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Um, you know, speaking from from the top of my head here and without any sort of you know joke preparation i didn't i didn't write a a stand-up bit on on these kits but 
just looking at them and, and thinking about the, the idea that they're supposed to look like tattoos. Right. Um, yeah, I've got a few random tattoos on my arm. You know, people may agree or disagree about whether they, they look good, but I, I they're simple, you know, they, they kind of, they don't stand out. They don't have a distinct style. It's just kind of black line tattoos. These tattoos, I, I saw somebody in the replies describe them as like old school Portland. I don't, I don't really agree with that very much. I, I think that there are people in Portland, particularly people in the Timbers Army and Rose City Riveters, who have uh, far higher quality tattoos than what is, is shown <laughs> on these jerseys. Um, it, it's hard to wrap my head around some of the specific details of it. One of them being that Rose City Till I Die, which is obviously more closely associated with the Timbers, is featured more prominently on the tiny little banner that is above the, the crest, is more featured more prominently than by any other name, which is very obviously, you know, the Thorns uh, go to. That's weird to me. And, and the green being, you know, part of the accents is fine since, you know, the stems of roses, I guess, are green a lot of the time. Not always, I don't think. But, you know, traditional rose, you, you think of the stem as green, that's okay. But it's weird because it's kind of got that, like, I don't know, that Timbersy feel to it, especially with the TikTok sponsorship on there as well. It's it's just, it's weird. It feels like a hybrid kit in some ways. I do like, the the one thing that I like the most is is the old school crest being on there with the actual colors rather than kind of just like a, a generic, you know, black crest, which I think looks really cool on, on the black and red uniforms. Um, the knife is interesting. There's two stars on the knife. And then the third star for the third championship is like hanging <laughs> above it with like Roman numerals, <laughs> which, which strikes me as like they would, they work that in as a design element. And then after they won the championship last year, they're like, Oh shoot, we got to get another star in this somehow. Like <laughs> we got to go back and, 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 and wrench this in somewhere. Yeah. Some Nike exec chewing on a cigar is like, yeah, just put it above the knife. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, it's very confusing and confounding. I I feel like I kind of like it and would like to see it as as Meg Linehan put it, like on a human before I make any complete judgments. But it's it's kind of just gauche. It's like ugly <laughs> in in a lot of ways too, and it it just strikes you as like a what is going on here? Especially considering there's like nothing below the sponsor line, so there, it's it's like all chest and shoulders. And that to me, uh, you know, it feels a little bit imbalanced to me. So it, look, you know, as I kind of said on, on on Twitter last night, this kit just isn't for me. Uh, for clearly, for some, approximately twenty five percent of people, uh, it is for them. <laughs> uh, but it, I'm I'm not one of those twenty five percent of folks. But and I think this is like an important point. I like that the Thorns and Nike did something with this one because that has not been the case around the league. What we've seen of the kit releases around the league so far has been, to put it quite frankly, dire. Lots of white, plain white, lots of plain black, one plain orange, um, with you know very, 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 very subtle design elements or no design elements at all. Uh, and frankly, I, I think when you look around the league, it looks like somebody just you know went to Target 
uh, grabbed a few jerseys and 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 kind of just threw them on some teams. Uh, I mean, in in some ways, it reminds me of the the jerseys that we had in 2013 when the league was just starting up, and they very clearly sort of you know had to do just kind of a full run of. Uh, of templates. Uh, the one exception to that and the, and the shirt that I think is quite nice uh, that, that has launched so far is the Gotham shirt. Um, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Uh, I think they did a nice job with that. Uh, otherwise though, it's been quite bleak. And so I, I like, and I appreciate the fact that the thorns took a swing uh, and did something bold and something interesting. Uh, even if it didn't quite come off uh, for me, uh, I will always prefer it when teams take swings, even if they miss, uh, then when we have team after team after team coming out with just wholly uninspired stock, you know, plain jerseys. So, uh, so I, I, you know, most of my wrath goes toward the, the uninspired, uh, it does not go toward the inspired, albeit perhaps, um, you know, misdirected. (laughs) <laughs> but we need to get back to the memes because that's that's critical here. Uh, there have been a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of that kit jokes uh, on the internet. Uh, you know there uh, there have been uh, a few uh, that I've seen. One was was like that kit knows every episode of the Joe Rogan Experience by heart. Um, that's great. Uh, that's a that's a really good one. Uh, there have been a number of others. I don't want to take any 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 credit away from from others. But Ryan, I want to hear your that kit jokes. Let me get a look at this thing again because I, I need to I need to All like right. fully develop the meme in my head for a moment. So it's clear you haven't done your homework. So I'm you gonna go, go first while you, you go first. You you research. Yeah, yeah, okay. That kit has a refrigerator full of non-traditional Mountain Dew flavors. <laughs> <laughs> that kit owns every single episode of NCIS on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> that kid knows that next year is going to be the year he gets an audition to be on Love Island. And that kid really really wants you to take a Jaeger bomb. <laughs> those are my those are those are those are my submissions uh, to the the that kid meme. What you got? That kid uh got the tattoo in college but was in college in 2004. <laughs> By the looks of it. Hey, as people who are in college <laughs> in 2004, like I'm a little bit offended by that. Like, I feel like, I feel like my, like mine weren't like personal. Yours were just like personal. Well, it's mean. a dated tattoo. Look, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like I, do you see people at look, I'm sure we have listeners that have roses tattooed on them. I actually have ambition to, to get a, some sort of rose type tattoo, but I don't know, man. It's just, it's tacky. It's like, it's not. (laughs) I saw somebody make a comment about how like something like that kit loves the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I was like, dang it. I wish I'd thought about that one first. That kit kit lives in Hermiston. Uh, There's, there's another another one for you. That would be a watermelon kit, right? Like that's the the driving engine of the Hermiston economy. Well, then it would work with, if you had those as tattoos, right? Because then you could weave kind of the, the vines of the, of the watermelon in with the, the thorns of the roses, right? You could, you could could fit a little watermelon and and why is there no watermelon on the kit? There's, there's your question of the day uh, for, for the fine folks in Hermiston. Uh, Maybe we have one listener from there. Who knows? But, 
Almost certainly. <laughs> if you are from Hermiston, tag us on Twitter at Soccer Maiden PDX and express your disdain for my hashtag Hermiston Slam that I just uh, put down. That's right. So strange kits. All right. Any 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 other personally insulting that kit uh, jokes you have, or or should we move off this bit and talk about soccer? I just I, I'm going to give it time to breathe. Honestly, I, I want to see it right. on people and like in a game before I'm before I completely destroy it. It's very ugly. I don't like it, <laughs> but maybe it'll improve. It's kind of. I mean i I don't think it will improve. Uh, I I think perhaps the the contextual you know the context around it might might elevate it somewhat but yeah uh, it's 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 not for me but I, I appreciate this point it's a lot like last year's timbers season right on its surface very unappealing very bland kind of half hearted but it's not bland that's the thing so I I, I think, I think it that's tried, an un- no, no, unfair no. unfair comparison like it it, tr- it's not it, it's like it's like the 2014 timbers season. Where like they were doing lots of things that were like interesting, but just not very good. I think it tries to do so many things that are interesting that it is somehow not interesting. That it's like, oh, they just like went too hard. I don't know. I, I again would like to to see some higher quality photos of it on a human being before before we get any further. They maybe they'll wear them. In the next week, because they have a preseason tournament, the Thorns do that starts on Sunday. You like that segue? Uh, and yeah, and brilliant. They they won't wear them, but no, but they they, they probably won't because they <laughs> officially have not revealed them. But uh, who knows? Maybe in the last game of the tourney, they'll they'll bring them out. The first game though is on Sunday against Racing Louisville, Rossing louisville for listeners of this podcast (laughs) and uh then they on wednesday they play the usu 23s then they uh get a chance to face rival ol rain in the third of the three preseason matches on saturday that figures to be more of a dress rehearsal type game for the team as they look ahead to their opener on march 26th uh that is going to be an important tournament for for the team as they continue to develop in the preseason, continue to to blend together again with essentially the same cast. So it's not as much work as you might otherwise have. But uh, injury wise, Mark Mike Norris spoke to me this week a little bit about it. Sophia Smith is is training in full. She's back. There's there's no real concern there about limitations, from my understanding. Uh, Raina Reyes has a small knock that she got in the off season. Uh, and Tegan McGrady has a knock from the off season as well. Uh, McGrady is likely out for a little bit longer. Reyes, they are hoping is ready for the opener. And she is somebody who given her versatility, given the fact she can be both an outside back and maybe pop into the midfield a little bit, uh, that they're really excited about. Um, I've also heard a lot about Izzy Diakia. Uh, as somebody that could potentially be a, a contributor, whether it's during the World Cup, she she has her breakout, or or maybe, you know, down the line, she's somebody they like a lot. And and those young players coming into the fold of a team that is extremely deep, that is extremely talented, that's coming off a championship, uh, is something to really keep an eye on. And and. It seems like the the Timbers season, you know, is trudging along in its early stages, and then out of nowhere, oh yeah, 
here, here come the thorns. They're ready to defend their title. And, and it's a big year with obviously the world cup swirling around everything. Um, but this next week is going to be exciting for fans to finally see the thorns back on the field. And that begins on Sunday. Yeah. You know, I, the, the animating principle over the course of the off season, uh, has been where possible run it back. Uh, the, and in some notable places that was not possible, but in terms of the roster, uh, and, and the starting 11, this is a very, very, very similar unit that we saw, you know, really sort of kind of take the, the, the 2022 season by, by the horns. Uh, and, and I very much expect that that's going to be the ambition this year. I think the big question, uh, is, is whether running it back is going to be enough in light of improvement with some other teams around the league. I, th- I think Casey is the team that first comes to mind that has made a number of moves this winter uh, that, you know, I mean, they they made it to the title, but I think the book on KC in 2022 was that they overachieved a little bit. Now this is truly a, a, a and, 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 you know, I, I, I guess to just highlight that point, I think we saw that in the final. The current were overmatched uh, by, by the Thorns in the final. Uh, and they went out and reinforced in a number of ways in which their ambitions are very clearly not to be overmatched in games like that again. And and so whether running it back uh, is is going to be enough for the Thorns, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I think sort of that approach to the offseason was probably the only truly, really super viable approach for the Thorns. But I also think it just makes a ton of sense. Uh, you had a great team from last year. I frankly think there's still upside in this team. Uh, I think you look at two of their three most important players uh, in Sophia Smith and Sam Coffey. It's a little bit of a hot take, but I feel like after 2022, probably not a ton of a hot take. Uh, they are both pre-prime, right? They are both players whom you would expect to still have some some upside, which is a scary thought, especially with Smith reigning MVP, uh, the fact that you would expect that she is still going to continue to get better. Uh, I, I think with Sam Coffey, <laughs> as good as she was in 2022, that was her first year really running a midfield. And so you would very much expect her to to progress and maybe even progress quite a bit uh, from, from where she was in, in 2022. And if all of that happens, this team's got upside. They're also going to be welcoming back Crystal Dunn, uh, who, who missed most of 2022, uh, for the best reasons imaginable. Uh, and, and she is back. She's in form. She is fit, uh, and, and ready to be a full-time contributor in 2023. Uh, and you know, I, I don't think there are a ton of positions that you look around the field for the thorns and say, they will expect to get substantially less in 2023 than they did in 2022. Maybe you're worried a little bit about, uh, some regression due to age from Christine Sinclair and Becky Sauerbrunn. We haven't seen it, frankly, so far with Sauerbrunn. Uh, she's looked great with the national team uh, so far this winter. Uh, and, and and so that hasn't happened yet. But even then, uh, the Thorns are going to be welcoming back to the fold Emily Mengus, who was hurt for most of 2022. And before that was one of the most consistent, one of the most consistently solid center backs in the league. And and that's in addition to Kelly Hubley, who who remains at, at that position. And so, you know, I, I think when you look at this team, even running it back has some upside for just internal progression and, and internal development. And then you add on the fact that that there is at least the possibility. Uh, this sounds like a possibility, although nobody has has said it, but it makes sense with the the trade of Yasmin Ryan that it, that that may be sort of setting the stage uh, from a cap perspective to do so of welcoming Lindsay Horan back uh, in, in, in the summer after the World Cup uh, when her loan ends. 
Uh, and if that happens, then, then, you know, that's one of the biggest moves that any team in, in, in the league has made this year. So, you know, I, I think there, there is lots of reason if you're a Thorns fan to be optimistic, but look, they've got some competition that's improved over the course of the off season. Uh, and, and I think that really is going to be the question. And then of course, there's the question of how the coaching transition goes. They made the decision to hire Norris that they made in order to maintain as much continuity as possible. Obviously he was the chief assistant last year. Uh, and so you would expect that, that, uh, that development would, would go and, and that transition would, would go just fine. It would be a pretty smooth one, but there's always risk when you're, when you're making a, a coaching change. Uh, and so, you know, the, that is going to be, those are going to be the, the storylines to watch. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this team back on the field though. I think given the continuity, uh, this is the kind of team that you would expect to really show some things even early in preseason, uh, because there is, is so much that is, that is common from 2022. You don't think that this is the kind of team that's going to spend most of its preseason, just figuring things out. Uh, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to going to my first game, uh, of the year on Sunday, uh, against Rossing, um, and, uh, and, and seeing this team back out on the field, because I, I think there are lots of reasons as a Thorns fan to be bullish. Am no, I, wrong? I, I think you're completely right and, and made a lot of great points as far as the roster construction, as far as what they're bringing back. Um, this is a le- lethal team just as they were last year. Um, Haran by all counts that I've heard is, is likely going to be back after that world cup. And and that's a massive addition to a team that's, that's already pretty crowded in terms of talent in that midfield. Um, Hina Sugita is, is, has had a full year under her belt and will be even more comfortable uh, playing in, in NWSL. Yeah, exactly. And, and it'll be fun to see her to, to see all these different thorn stars for these different countries in the world cup too. I mean, that, that, that's something that, you know, it will, interrupt the season it will create a stretch where they're going to have to have younger players step up because they have a ton of players on their team that contribute for their world cup squads for their country um but at the same time it's going to be really fun i think for thorns fans to to see the emergence of sophia smith on the biggest stage to see christine sinclair playing in what will likely be her final world cup uh along with janine becky uh, and, and competing with Canada, which is a team obviously that is likely to contend as well. Um, that that's an underlying and maybe overlying storyline of, of this season. Um, that that's going to be fun. And the first half of the year, I think is going to be a major focus for the thorns on racking up as many points as they can while they've got the full squad, staying healthy, um, building up a a position in the standings to where uh, regardless of what happens during the World Cup break, those players can come back, ease their way back in after what's going to be a long World Cup for for a lot of them, particularly the U.S. players, um, and and just make a run and, and try and assert yourself into a position where you, you can have home field, you can um, do what you did last year and, and set yourself up to play one home game to get yourself into the NWSL championship. I do think that the rest of the league has, has made up a lot of ground. Like you said, Casey is a team that has loaded up its roster, but you know, they still need to mesh. They don't have that level of, um, that level of chemistry, that level of rapport that the thorns have. 
Um, so I think the Thorns still have the edge, but it's closer. And, and as we know, in the NWSL, chaos can often reign. Um, no question. You'd expect San Diego to take another step forward. 100%. Too, just to just in, even internally development. Um, you, you'd expect them to take another step forward, and they were very good. Uh, by the eye test, I thought they were probably the second best team in NWSL that I saw last year. Yes, 100%. And they showed that in the game against the Thorns. That was a highly competitive game yeah. that were it not for the miracle, amazing strike of Crystal Dunn, uh, that that game is going into extra time, right? And, and that would yeah. have been anyone's game after that point because there were some dead legs out there and it was it was a very highly competitive game after a long arduous season um the rain are shield winners and they're still bringing back a lot of talent um i think if if any of the top teams could potentially take a slight step back it might be them just because of the age of a lot of the players on their roster and and um you know the the changes around the rest of the league are exciting and Angel, Angel City adding Alyssa Thompson, who scored a magnificent goal last night against Tigres in a friendly. She's already balling, right? I mean, that that's that's a team to look out for as well, particularly if Kristen Press comes back at a decent time. Yeah. Um, she won't really likely be with the World Cup team, so that that's an opportunity for her probably during that stretch to, to rehab, come back, and get to a high level. And we know that she's a game changer, so... You know, the NWSL has a lot of parity. It's exciting. Um, the league is going to continue to expand in the coming years uh, and popularity is growing. We still don't really know what channels all the games are going to be on, but that's that's another story. Uh, but frankly, I mean, if, if you're a broadcaster looking at NWSL this year, it's a it's a really attractive yeah. league uh, to, 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 to get on your airwaves or your whatever, whatever the waves are. On stream, the waves. Uh, <laughs> stream waves, stream uh, waves, the series of tubes or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, you, I am as excited for this NWSL season as, as maybe any, I mean, we, we, we have a really impressive collection of personalities uh, in, in, in the league. Now, uh, the, the quality of play is, is only getting better. There's, I think, going to be a pretty compelling race at, at the top now. Uh, and, and so, I mean, I think looking into this, this 2023 season, it kind of ticks all the boxes for intrigue uh, and, and for something that you'd want to tune into. And they're in FIFA. And they're in FIFA, which is right. Uh, with that being the video game, uh, not, I mean, they have always been, I guess, governed by FIFA, the organization. Uh, but now they're in EA Sports's uh, video game, uh, which is uh, which is <laughs> the the sort of the gateway into soccer for many, many people uh, playing that. Their NWSL is going to be there. Uh, the question is whether all the goal celebrations are going to be there, mostly talking about Levanta and uh, and in Kansas City, the, I think, undisputed queen uh, of NWSL goal yes. celebrations. Are all the sellies going to get in? The video seemed to suggest yes, or at least some of them, but you got to have a number of them. The video did show Levanta's celebration, but it it was kind of a blend between like the, the game and and real life footage and, and her celly was was real life footage. Uh, we did see the Sophia Smith shrug in game uh, in, in that video, which was really cool. Um, How much better, by the way, are NWSL goal celebrations than MLS? Like, it's oh, not infinitely even a better. It, it's it's like, it's a matter of, of so. ego. It's a matter of like the the guys in MLS just like are are 
comparatively way more self-important than NWSL players. NWSL players are willing to, you know, in their competitive fire, they're willing to have some fun. And that's great. Yeah. Like the dudes are, the dudes are spinning around and pointing at the name on the back while like Morgan Weaver is doing the, the like blow up, uh, the blow up thing. Levante is like doing the putting yeah. one. Uh, we got the shrug. We've got the, the twerking. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole nother level and it's caught on. Uh, we've seen multiple NFL players uh, take inspiration from, from Levante uh, and her Sally. Yeah. So, you know, I, it, it's, it's, it's another level. It better make its way into the video game because it is part of NWSL culture now. It a hundred percent is. And, and it's look, we're we're not gonna see, you know, Evander twerking in celebration this year. We're not gonna see, we you should. know <laughs> that would be hilarious. We're not gonna see Dirona Spria. I mean, he's he's got the back backflip, back back which signature. is cool. But but we're not gonna see him doing the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man celebration yeah. with Sebastian Blanco. Like th- th- those things are just not gonna happen. It's gotta be Zach McGraw, right? Like he would be the he would be the inflatable arm waving tube tube guy. He, he does have the longest arms and is the yeah. tallest guy. So yeah. he, he could most uh most definitely fill that role. But um I wish there was more of that type of fun stuff in MLS. But you know, NWSL is is he's unique and fun in that respect. And I'm glad that they, they have that aspect, but yeah, highly competitive season ahead. Um, the thorns are going to be one of the contenders. And, um, I, I really don't think we can fully assess it until the dust has settled on the world cup. And a few weeks have gone by even after that, uh, as, as the players get reintegrated, but that doesn't mean that the first half is in any way meaningless or that even the stretch without the World Cup players is meaningless at all. Every point no. matters, as we know, with with the tightness of, of those standings. Yeah, and, and the way NWSL's playoffs are, are set up, it's really critical to get that home game. And so, you know, I mean, the, the, the shield race is much more compelling from day from match day one until the end of the season than it is in MLS as well, which I think isn't just another thing that makes the NWSL regular season so much more compelling. Yeah, it matters. Uh, like like the MLS cr- regular season is becoming less and less important as, as the playoffs expand, as, as these little gimmicky things start to happen. Um, three game series and the like, but yes. NWSL, it's still get into the playoffs. You've got one game, if you're not one in the top two, it's not going to be at home. Uh, and, and that's, that's what you got to do to, to, to win the title. Um, and so, you know, I, I think we, you've got a, a good pack that's going to be pursuing one of those two spots. Uh, and I think that race is going to, is going to be hot from, from kickoff. Uh, and, and so I, I agree with you that, you know, it, it is important of course, for teams to be in good form after the world cup, both for that stretch run and for the playoffs themselves. But frankly, if you're not good before the World Cup, you're probably going to be far enough behind the eight ball that it doesn't matter. Moving on to the Portland Timbers, they, uh, while I was sleeping soundly uh, in my very comfortable bed at the Airbnb in Rome, <laughs> uh, they played the uh, the folks down in LA, LAFC, uh, and lost three to two. They were down three zip at half. Uh, I woke up in or the just mid- after half. Yes. Just after half. I woke up in the middle of the night or I guess in the wee hours of the morning, um, and checked my phone and saw that at halftime. And I was like, okay, don't have to, you know, stress about this. Just gonna, just gonna go back to sleep and wake up and see, it'll probably be a similar score in the morning. But you know, they, after what 
you described as a brutal first hour. Um, they kicked it into high gear for that last half hour and scored two goals. Uh, one of them, the first for Evander, which was exciting and, and showcased just the power that he strikes the ball with and, and the threat that he is uh, in the counter attack. Um, and then the other from Christian Paredes, who uh, did a, a nice little celebration, putting the, uh, the ball on his shirt like he did last year. And it's the same reason he's got another baby on the way. So congratulations to the Paredes clan for their, uh, their new addition that's coming. Uh, babies made in Portland, a continual segment <laughs> <laughs> uh, on this podcast. But uh, I, I, I think there are some negatives and positives, obviously to take away from the game, obviously the first half, um, you know, just looking at the highlights from my perspective, uh, brutal, not, not what you want at all. Um, a showcase, I think, of what a lot of people were worried about when Tui Loma was traded is the idea that, you know, defensively they were shaky last year. Why take a quality piece out of the picture, especially and in when particular, you- just getting dominated on set pieces? Yes, exactly. And and then the second half showcasing a, a positive, you know, the idea that they, you know, aren't going to just lay down. They actually will fight tooth and nail to potentially get a point out of it, which they very nearly did. Um, so what were your you know, impressions, takeaways, watching that full game. You know, I, 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 it's, it is definitely not sky is falling kind of stuff. Uh, and I think having the little bit of a fight back in the second half certainly helps ward off some of those feelings, even though those feelings would be a little bit premature if it had ended three zero, but it is concerning how thoroughly they got dominated on set pieces. And, and I thought Matt Doyle mid mid game made a, a good point that because LAFC plays such attractive soccer, sometimes people forget that they were really, really good on on attacking set pieces last year. So that's a strength uh, for them. But you can't, I mean, they should have given away three on set pieces. They had a let off on one with a little bit of a phantom foul call. Uh, but they should have given away three in the first half, all on corner kicks, which is not good. That's very, very poor. Uh, and is something that they urgently need to address. There were, long stretches of last year where they also struggled defending set pieces. So this is also not a new problem for the Timbers and it's something they need to clean up kind of surprisingly. And I think one thing that you can actually, even from that first hour look at as something that was, that's maybe a sign an encouraging sign. They actually defended pretty well from the run of play. LAFC didn't have a ton of chances other than those set pieces. Uh, And that's, that's a pretty high powered attacking LAFC team at home. And I think overall, when you looked at the way the Timbers were defending from the run of play, there was a lot to like. Uh, and and that was the case through most of the game. And so I, I think that is something that that looked better than expected against Kansas City in match day one. Uh, and I think probably still looks better than expected, uh, even after uh, shipping three to, to LAFC uh, last week. The thing that was most bleak, though, about the first hour, and this obviously wasn't good against Kansas City either, was the attack. I mean, the Timbers weren't close to scoring in in that first hour. The, the goal kind of came out of nowhere. And I think there are a number of reasons that, that you can point to. You know, I, I, folks have talked a lot about Evander. I think, frankly, it's about as expected right now uh, that it takes a little bit of time. Uh, I agree with Gio Savarese's comment afterward that he's he's adjusting to the speed of the league. We see that a lot 
uh, with especially with players coming in from sort of uh, mid-tier European leagues. MLS uh, in in some ways is behind those leagues in terms of quality and sometimes even in terms of tactical sophistication. But MLS does move fast. It is a fast and physical league. Uh, and we see players come in from those leagues have a little bit of an adjustment period to the to the speed of the game here. Uh, and Gio said after the game that he thinks that's a little bit of what's going on with Evander, and I agree with him. I think it 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 looks like that's the case. Still found a way to to, to make an impact. Um, so, but you know, I mean, in the end, that doesn't you know that doesn't concern me very much. I agree with the the folks who have been pointing out that Santi Moreno has has been pretty rough. The numbers agree with that as well. Uh, he's given the ball away a lot. Uh, and, and, you know, again, that's something that, that young players, especially you got to remember, he missed a good amount of preseason while he was away getting his, his green card. Uh, and so he, he looks like a guy who is still getting into form and, uh, and, and so that's understandable, but I think the, you know, I, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast. The thing that I think just is a killer for the attack has been the play of Yaroslav Nishgoda. He's played about 138 minutes or 130 minutes so far this year. He has a grand total of 38 touches on the ball. He has not taken a shot. Uh, he frankly has been just kind of a black hole. And it's really, I mean, it's really hard to attack one attacker down, right? Especially uh, at that position, right? Especially yeah. at that position. And and we've seen the Timbers get, again, get into spots and not be able to turn getting into spots into creating a chance. And when you've got a striker who two games into the season hasn't taken a shot yet and isn't, you know, making a meaningful difference in the buildup, that's something that you really have to look at. I don't think the Timbers can start him next week. Nathan, frankly, has looked better. Uh, the team has looked better with Nathan on the field. The team has looked more dangerous as a collective with Nathan on the field. When teams press the Timbers, uh, Nathan is a guy because he's athletic and because he's willing to make some of those runs into space, uh, that you can play over the top two. And that's going to be important against St. Louis because St. Louis is very much a team that's come out to press and he's creative. That's the other, other thing with Nathan. Like he, he does things that are non-traditional. He, he's not just like a stick and score, like just wait, wait for the ball to come to me kind of guy. And that, that's not, you know, to disparage Nia's go to, I don't think that he has that attitude where he just is waiting for somebody else to make the play for him, but he doesn't have a shot and he's, he's showing a lot of the same issues that he had last year where he was, you know, maybe in the right spaces, but never was effective, wasn't creative and wasn't the dynamic type of striker that they need. I think that adding Frank Boley into the mix is going to be good but it's going to take him a while to adjust. And, and in the near term, when while you're waiting for him to show up, while you're waiting for him to get to fitness if he needs to, um, Nathan seems to be the better answer at that position right now. And, and you know, I talked to Yarrow in preseason. He acknowledged that he had to be better this year, that he needed to have more quality stretches than just the one kind of little space that he had during last season where he he was dynamite and then the rest was rough. It's been all rough these first two games and and you know the leash for Gio Savarese I'm sure is short in terms of of Yara given last year's performance and um this game against St. Louis I think is a good opportunity to give Nathan a shot 
see how he performs and go from there. Uh, but he, everything I've seen in terms of highlights, in terms of game replays that I've watched, uh, have shown me that, that Nathan is probably the better answer right now at that position. Um, in general, the team is dealing with a lot of injuries and is, is kind of piecemealing everything else together, particularly in the midfield, uh, with no Blanco, with no Jimmy Chara. Um, it's really unfortunate because I, I think that fully healthy, that's an unbelievably talented midfield in terms of like the rest of MLS. They're one of the more talented groups. And Blanco is, is at a point now with his knee issues where they're not rushing him. They don't have a specific timeline for him to come back. Uh, it's residual problems that he dealt with all of last season and that he played through much to his own detriment in a lot of cases, as, as we've talked about before. Um, he couldn't even play with his kids. He was having trouble going upstairs. Uh, that matters way more than suiting up for the Portland Timbers. So his ability to play should rest fully on his ability to not cause more detriment to his, his own life. And Jimmy Chara is out for a while now. We know that. Uh, Gio initially said a couple of weeks, uh, talking to him yesterday, uh, or was it two days ago? All the days are blending together as I return here to to the American lands. Um, he he talked about Jimmy and said it's probably going to be you know longer. And you know if you think about longer than two to three weeks, you're in the months territory because even if he returns to some level of activity after a month, which would be like the minimum. Uh, that's another month with a touchy injury, like a hamstring of majorly careful uh, rehabilitation and, and ramp up to, to be able to return to the field. That's like the worst possible minor injury you could have in a sport like soccer is, is a hamstring because it is so, as you pointed out on Twitter, it's so touchy. It's so finicky that you you can't mess with it otherwise you could you could tear it you could re-aggravate it and then you're just back to square one it's like oblique injuries in baseball where it's just like it's one of those things where it might not be that serious from like an mri perspective but you need you need your hamstrings to be 100 percent to play effective soccer <laughs> uh, because they're so easy to re-injure uh and uh and if they're not 100 percent, then then you just can't play uh, so yeah, I mean, th th that's going to be a difficult one. And I think Marvin Loria has not been great sort of in his opportunity in the first couple of games to, to step in, uh, as a starter on the wing, either opposite Moreno or Jimmy Chara. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think frankly that those things combined with the play of, of, of Mosquera and Bravo, I think probably should have Gio Savarese really considering going to the, to the five back or three back, uh, setup that, that they used, uh, in in the waning minutes against LAFC, that looked pretty good. It gets two of their more effective players higher up the pitch where they've been effective. Uh, I guess I just described effective players as effective, which isn't super grammatically insightful. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, and and it puts them in uh in, in a position where they're putting those you know players who have had a better open to the season. Uh, in promising spots and and taking some guys who have struggled off the field or at least out of the starting lineup uh, and and kind of getting their their best 11 or their most effective 11 uh, out on out on the pitch. And so, you know, I, I think that 
if I were calling the shots is, is the direction the Timbers would be going, uh, this next week against, uh, against St. Louis, which, you know, notwithstanding St. Louis winning their first two games, uh, one of them was a home game against Charlotte and sort of their, their home opener, uh, in, in MLS. That's a game that you basically always see, uh, expansion teams win, even when they're really bad. Remember when the Timbers went to a really terrible FC Cincinnati team in their home opener, uh, as they were, uh, opening up uh, in, in Cincinnati and just got trounced, um, just absolutely got run over by, by a, an FC Cincinnati team that went on to win the wooden spoon. That happens basically regardless of whether the expansion team is good, that, that home opener is so difficult for a road team to win. Uh, and so that was that. And then they, they had a good performance, uh, against an Austin team in, in the opener that has since gone on to, uh, I mean, probably have the two most embarrassing losses in MLS this year, uh, with their with that that loss in the home opener against an expansion team in St. Louis, and then going down and losing three zero to a Haitian team in the Dominican Republic. Uh, that was yeah, not a great CCL performance from Austin. I think there are probably some alarm bells going off there, uh, and so you know, it, it has been a good open to the season for St. Louis. But the Timbers should be going into this game thinking that this is a game that they should win. And if they don't, the Timbers are going to are going to have some alarm bells of their own. Yeah, they'll feel like they're on a bit more shaky ground if they don't get three points out of this game. Right. Because it's the first major test, uh, I think, for the St. Louis team. Um, Austin, you would have thought would have been it, but they are flailing a little bit to start out the season. Um, Given the injuries, given, you know, the the tenuous nature of of everything for the Timbers right now. Um, this is a, a big one early on it, to, to get these three points at home. Um, it's going to be a, a raucous atmosphere, I'm sure, just just getting back uh, to normal uh, attendance numbers, getting back to normal weather, hopefully, fingers crossed. I yeah, we'll think see. things have been a little weird since I got back, even even if they aren't as extreme as the snowstorm that I missed. But uh, it, it's a big one. And, and testing out different lineups, testing out um, – who can fill in where you think about players like Diego Gutierrez having an opportunity to step up in Jimmy Chara's absence, uh, Marvin Loria needing to, to do more in the positions he finds himself in. Um, you know, his speed is great, but everything else hasn't been super great. <laughs> and Loria gets the ball a lot because he's directing because he yeah. puts himself in those positions to be dangerous. He's got good. But, instincts. Not, but you, but when you get the ball in those spots, I mean, it's, it's almost the opposite problem of, of Yaroslav Nijgoda, right? Yeah. Uh, when, when, when Yaro gets the ball in those spots, he's really dangerous and he's a really good finisher. Now, uh, Loria plays a different position, uh, but it's, it's kind of the opposite problem. He, he is good at getting into those spots and he attracts the ball a lot because he gets there and then doesn't make anything of it. Yeah. Um, if you could just combine Loria and Nijgoda, you'd have a really effective attacker, but the two of them separately problematic. Yeah. They've got like divulging, diverging issues divulge <laughs> they're they're sharing all of their problems <laughs> with, they have uh, divulged their issues over the first yeah, two they've, games they've the divulged them to everybody who's tuned in to watch <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, so that's a big one on Saturday for the Timbers taking on St. Louis City SC. Uh, any parting thoughts for that game, Mister Reifer? Any, any? Not necessarily for that game, but I, I, you know, putting on my Bernie Sanders voice, uh, I am once again asking the Timbers to do these signings in January instead of March. Yes, uh, the Timbers are are in the market now, apparently for three signings uh, at center forward. Uh, one in center back that's a little bit f- further out. We'll see if it's a late window, late April kind of kind of signing, or if it's going to be in the summer. And then apparently also for another midfielder. I'm guessing, but it's truly a guess that that's probably a winger type. But we'll see, um, because that's where they're thinnest in in, in midfield. Um, and which is which all makes sense. It makes sense to sign another number nine. It makes sense to sign another another sort of starting quality center back. And I think it makes sense to add somebody uh, on the wing. But I, I am once again asking the Timbers to do this business in the offseason rather than try to build the plane while it's flying uh, early in the season. I've been asking that for many years. It has not happened. But here I am again. I do think that the midfield pursuit, um, and, and this is not based on any specific conversations, but this is more of a guess, uh, is likely centered around the fact that not only will they not have Jimmy Chara for the next month or two or more, who knows, um, but Blanco not coming back terribly quickly um, is concerning. They don't know if he's going to be somebody that they can consistently rely on to be in the lineup, even when he yeah. does come back. So, um, And he's an aging player. You, you have to think about the next steps uh, quicker than maybe you thought you did because you, you bring back Blanco, you bring back Jimmy and you're like, okay, those are two guys that are going to be regular, consistent and important players for us. Then Jimmy gets hurt. Then Blanco's knee issues continue to, to plague him from last year. And you're in a very tenuous spot where you, you believe in Diego Gutierrez as somebody that can step in as a winger and, and contribute. And Gio has spoken a lot about him. Um, but that thrusts Luria into a tough spot that that creates a lack of depth that was not there previously that they're already dealing with in the back end. Um, so and yes. it makes it more difficult to get Santiago Moreno on the field, which I, I think is, you know, it, it, I, I sort of advocated for Moreno maybe not to start against St. Louis. And I'm not super worried about Moreno himself. We've seen him be good enough for long enough that we know that he's a good player and I think he will get into form. But with Wingers in particular, and I mean wingers, not wing backs, but with wingers, if you're going to play with one, you kind of need to play with two. Uh, and if you don't have another guy who you're, who you're, you know, enthusiastic about starting in a wide attacking area, it's really hard to get another, to get Moreno on, on the field. And I think Moreno is best when he's playing, when he's starting from a wider position. Uh, and so I think for that reason too, uh, it probably makes sense for them to look on the market to see if so, there's somebody else who they can who they can add in those wide areas. A lot in flux for the Timbers right now. Thorns season coming down the pike. Uh, plenty to talk about for the two of us over the next couple of weeks. Good to be back here stateside, even though I, I long for a, a nice glass of Chianti Classico uh, overlooking the countryside as we speak here uh, in the frigid Northwest uh, late winter that we are experiencing right now. Uh, But that will do it for us here on soccer made in Portland. 
Uh, follow us on Twitter at Soccer Maiden PDX. Like us, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review if you so choose. That helps us get an idea of how we are doing. Um, got any questions for next week's pod? Tweet at us, myself, Reifer, or Soccer Maiden PDX, preferably the Soccer Maiden PDX account. I get enough notifications. Uh, thank you, Chris, for another great pod. Thanks for doing what you did last week with uh, Mr. Bill Oram. That that was a pun heavy pod, and I enjoyed. Yes, listening yes, and to thanks that. to Bill for for joining for the crossover content. Also, uh, before we head out, uh, happy trails to Sam Stasekel, uh, uh, the the well known uh, and exceptionally good. A writer for The Athletic who has covered MLS for a lot of years in in a couple different capacities. Uh, he is 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 going to be headed off to uh, to take on some new adventures outside of the journalism world. Uh, a, you know, frankly, a lot of what we do uh, stands on the shoulders of what Sam and 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 his colleagues do. Uh, and so, thank you to him for for all of all of his work, uh, especially covering a lot of the issues that are the. I mean, from my selfish perspective, nerdier, but really interesting sort of structurally in, in MLS, uh, big organizations like MLS are hard to move. They have a ton of inertia, uh, and they often won't unless somebody's pushing them. And Sam is somebody who has pushed them, uh, over the course of his time writing for the athletic. So thank you to him, uh, and best of luck. Absolutely. Sam's done a great job at the athletic and uh, big shout out to him as somebody who, you know, early on in my opportunity to write about MLS in this league, um, and soccer generally, he, he's somebody I look to as, as a, as a positive example of, of how to do this job with a very specific moral clarity, somebody who, who has a set of values that he imbues in, in, uh, in the work that he does. And, uh, he will definitely be missed in the soccer sphere. Uh, hopefully there are others that can try, but probably will not succeed in filling the the void that uh that he will leave behind so shout out to sam uh and thanks again for uh joining us this week we'll be back next week with a little bit more to talk about in terms of a thorns season preview a couple of uh, preseason games under their belt by that time uh and we will discuss everything from that st louis city game for the timbers which is a big one for that club so Uh, Thanks again, y'all, and we will see you next week.